Well, good evening. I'm Rick Dancer. Welcome to Get Real with Rick Dancer. And tonight, you guys have been flooding my emails, my personal messages. I'm not complaining, but you have been bombarding me with these uh, proposed OSHA rules uh, that would become permanent. And so I had to find I had to find someone to talk about this. And fortunately, we have someone locally. Um, Alan Thayer is going to join us in just a second to explain what they're looking at. And he's going to give us some really clear talking points on what we can do um, to help change what is about to happen. So I'm going to bring up the open. We'll be right back with Alan Thayer. And then the sliding glass door in my master bedroom blew in my... So Upper Camp Creek is evacuated. You can't erase the mistakes of your past without erasing the wisdom of your present. And there was a fear of getting blocked in. Welcome to In Bed with Rick Dancer, your chance to climb in bed with me. It's a sad story, but it's got it's, it's where you get to help a local veteran and his family. Kathy and I are sitting in the truck just looking at our house. And we started to cry. When she took the girls, my six-year-old little girl didn't have shoes on. I'm going to take the first needle. This is going to blow you guys away. I'm going to do this right up close to you. I miss his uh, daily phone calls and text messages. To have a 10-year-old kid come on and just tell us some jokes is just so super charming. We need to find these people. So, Alan, join us. Hi, Alan Thayer. How are you? Well, hello, Rick. Thanks for inviting me to join you and, and your many viewers. Well, I'm so glad that you, because I know you did a bunch of homework today because you're a business lawyer. You understand this already. I hear you on Bill London's show on KPNW sometimes. So I know, and, and I've known you for a long time. So I know you're a smart guy. And since you do business law, I figured these new OSHA proposed rules or the changes and the permanence of them, that you would be someone that could talk about this. So tell, tell my viewers what it is that they're proposing to do. Well, back in November, uh, OSHA adopted temporary rules to, to uh, guide employers um, in the workplace and put a number of, of restrictions on employers and obligations on employers that says this is, this is how you must maintain your workplace. And temporary rules being temporary, there's a limit to how long temporary rules can stay in place. And that limit is going to come to an end on May 10th. So after May 10th, after May 10th, um, the rules go away unless permanent rules are adopted. And you could put permanent in air quotes, I guess, if, if you're inclined to do that. Uh, but that's how we are where we are now. When it came time for the permanent rules, uh, labor unions wanted to drastically change what had been the rules up to that point. And uh, business, business association and business lobbyists have, have worked on OSHA and have, have limited, limited the new provisions, but the, they still are concerning, but they aren't nearly as frightful as they once were uh, and some of the provisions that are currently proposed in the permanent rules by OSHA make sense in context of what unions were originally asked for. And so uh, now they're saying, well, uh, let's let's make these lesser changes. So they can't, Alan, so they can't, one of our viewers, they can't just extend the temporary rule This permanent is, is part of the process? No. Now, some of us thought what they ought to do is just say, okay, uh, let's leave the rule as it is and make the temporary rule the permanent rule. Your, your viewer is absolutely right. They could have done that. 
but um, they have OSHA has labor unions in their ear and um, they wanted to increase the burdens on business. Why? That's a good question. My my own perception is so the unions have been very active in the legislature the last last sessions adopting rules that that apply to all businesses not just those with with union households and i think it's actually part of the labor uh recruitment strategy and their organization strategy but but i could be mistaken that that's just what it seems to me so what are some of the specifics that they're looking at that that are um are concerning because I know some people are talking about air filtering systems. I saw that on the list. It's the masks, continuing to wear the masks um, in for for employees inside restaurants, um, grocery stores. And tell me if I'm saying anything wrong. But what are some things? Is that is that all amongst what I read? Well, I, a lot of that is all, all of that is true, and all of that is concerning. Let's start with the number one concern. And so we have the label permanent rule. And that sounds bad. Um, if the rule provided that it would expire upon the termination of the governor's emergency order, I think we all could feel a lot, a lot more comfortable about these emergency rules. That's not what it, it's not what the rules say. Instead, the rules say is that uh, OSHA will come back and uh, rescind the rules at a later time after it is over. Well. So we're trusting an organization that had, that has that if it was legislators that created this, then we, the people would have some kind of a voice. But when you have an agency like OSHA, how, how the hell am I supposed to be able to say anything about that? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, right now we're still in the comment period on these uh, proposed permanent rules and people can go to the OSHA website and uh, follow the links on the OSHA website to uh, submit comments on this. And hopefully if we have time at the end, there's, there's three things I think it would be good for people to address in their comments. But- um, talk, to uh, me about, talk to me about the medical testing, like businesses would be helping you get vaccinated at the business. Is that how that works? What? So OSHA wants to enlist in um, employers and vaccinating people. They wanna be able to take over the business premises to, to uh, vaccinate their employees. In some instances, they want in, in employers to pay for employees to, to leave work, to drive somewhere to get vaccinated and then return to work. They want that to be paid time and in some circumstances. Um, and then if employees refuse to be vaccinated and, and I, and there are, there are a number of people who are concerned about the vaccines. So if, uh, so if employees choose not to be vaccinated, then they want the employers to have the employee sign a form declining to be, um, to be vaccinated on a form to be supplied by OSHA. And then employers are supposed to keep all of these employee vaccination records as a medical record. Now, wait, wait. what about HIPAA? What happened to HIPAA? My, why is it my employers, any of their business, whether I'm getting the vaccine or not, exactly. and then for sure as hell, why would they keep, 
They're going to have my medical records. That's the proposal. Well, they, they're not going to get all your medical records. No, but they're going to have whether a vaccination is part of my medical record. And why would a, why would my business, even though I don't work at a business, but it could be my office building. Do they get to have, because I'm in an office building, do they need to have my, is that going to be part of that whole thing? I, I That is bizarre. So uh, for the last two decades, I have been impressing upon business clients the importance of not uh making sure they do not have certain employee health information because it qualifies as a medical record. There's all sorts of requirements and burdens on the, the employers once they have employee medical records. And now with a stroke of the pen, uh, they're going to put the obligations on employers that I have been advising for 20 years that they need to stay away from. How much is this going to cost? We don't know, do we? What it would we cost businesses? Would they have to then, would like a business with even 10 employees or something, then have to have a whole person taking care of those medical records, those vaccination records, and, you know, on top of everything? Is that the concern of, of small business? Well, there, there's two concerns, actually, with, with all of these um, proposed regulations. Concern number one is the cost on the business of, of complying. But two, all these rules involve a certain amount of uncertainty, a certain amount of ambiguity. If I take, you know, what action is required as a result of this rule? And people can disagree on what is required and that creates risk and uncertainty and uh, the possibility of litigation involving employers. So it's both the cost of the, la the, the, of the regulations and the risk and uh, uncertainty associated with those regulations. What's another one that stands out for you? Because you deal with your, I want to hear more from, I don't want my opinion. I want to like, what, what are people talking about to you about this? The mask thing, would this keep the mask uh, going until this, I mean, if this became a permanent thing, then it would be like employees would have to wear masks at places and people coming in or whatever, it'd be whatever we're doing right now. Is that what that basically? Until the rules rescinded, yes. Um, also speaking about masks, uh, they, uh, they really don't like face shields. So the union, oh, I saw that I saw that the union wanted, um, face shields to be removed as a face covering option. And instead it, uh, it affirmatively requires business businesses to discourage the use of face shields, but allow them in certain circumstances. Once again, we're we're putting the burden on business to enforce um, state mandates. So, and you know this better than I. This could be just stupid. How come OSHA gets to come in and create rules like this that that are so, that affect so many of us? Why isn't this the legislature? Why shouldn't this go? Shouldn't the legislature be who 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 is is representing supposed to be representing us? Shouldn't they be going and creating laws that way? Oh, it, this is and that question has come up in a number of contexts. It's a very good question because uh, let's take restaurants that have been uh, that are being shut down. How is it that OSHA has the authority to do that? OSHA is charged with the health and safety of employees of workers. 
And what they're trying to do is use OSHA regulations, not only for the health and safety of, of workers, of employees, but also the general public, which, which this is the wrong tool for doing that. You were right. The legislature is the tool for doing that. But nevertheless, here we are. Uh, OSHA has, does have the ability to uh, weigh in on issues of workplace health and safety and that is the opening that they are using to uh, to adopt these regulations. Wow. It's I, I think I have never had the response from people um, sending me emails during. I mean, not not just right now. There's a lot of people on here right now, but just concern when they heard it. Um, and. You know, I think the feeling is, Alan, um, it's going to happen no matter what people do. I don't I, I, I don't like saying that because I think people should comment and you're going to give us some tips on what to comment about. But how do we how do we get our voices heard? I don't want to say stop it because maybe there's some value to some of this. I don't know. But how do we go in and and make sure that our voices are heard um, so that because um, I think there's a lot of people that are pretty nervous about this. Well, I, I think you're right, and we can uh, we can at this point we can flood OSHA with comments. Um, OSHA had two hearings, and I can tell you, I wasn't present, but I was uh, I was told by uh, somebody that those those hearings were um, uh, a forum for activists who were who are uh, wanting to increase the restrictions on businesses and on the public. And uh, I was told it was a, the hearings were a shit show. Can, can I say shit show on Rick Dancer TV? Hell yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just when then it airs on YouTube, they'll give me a little warning about language because I tend to throw out some F-bombs now and then. And this is a good story to throw out an F-bomb or two. Yes, sir. So, so why, what are the activists? What, why do they want businesses to do this? What, I don't know, what, what, where would that come from? Speculate for me. Unions, unions. I mean, we have public employees unions and teachers unions who said, oh, teachers can't be in the classroom teaching, but they need to be paid their full salary, even though their cost of, without going to work, their costs are less, but uh, they still get their full salary. They ought to be first in line to get a vaccine. And even when they've been vaccinated, they shouldn't have to go back to the classroom. I'm, I don't understand this. I don't understand Oregon. Um, back uh, back when I was uh, young and going to college, uh, I, I like to say when I was young and skinny and had dark hair, I uh, I had the opportunity to work out in the woods during the summer and made union scale, and it was a great experience, and uh, it paid for my college education. But while I was there, it was the time where we were starting to see people moved to Oregon from other states, particularly California. And one of the guys I worked with wanted to print up t-shirts that say, don't Californicate Oregon. And, and now people in Idaho and Montana are saying, don't Oregonize yeah. Montana and Idaho. They don't want us moving there. And Californians are moving to Texas now and they've been moving to Arizona for a long time. And they, um, um, we're, we're no longer a state of hearty, self-reliant, industrious people. Um, it's, uh, 
things have really changed and not for the good. And I hate to sound like an old guy saying that, but, right. um, you know, we, we need to go back to people who actually know how to do things and how to get things done and are willing to work and, and are willing to make a better life for themselves and, and their families instead of let's keep imposing restrictions on the other guy. You know, I have a, a, a local business woman and she called me today and says, how much does it cost to sponsor a show? And I told her and she says, I want to sponsor a show. Do you know we cannot find employees, people to work? We have jobs available and they won't show up And when they, they hire them and they don't show up. Um, I talked to a mill the other day in Springfield. He says they pay 50000 a year for some jobs and they've had they have they have jobs available right now, but there's people that come, they work for the half a day and then walk off the job and don't show up again because it was too hard. And, you know, I, it's it's like we're creating um, a culture of people that are just and maybe that's I don't know, just banking off the system. So so how do so you said you had a meeting today. Um, oh, hold on. Nicole kind of knows a lot about Dr. Michael Wood, Director Michael Wood and other agency heads are unelected bureaucrats appointed by the governor. By the way, I saw a comment flash by very quickly about someone who's a teacher and back in the classroom and said, don't lump us all together. And actually, I wasn't talking about teachers. I was talking about the teachers union. But, okay, so that's uh, Melinda. She's right there. So Melinda, thank you for saying something, first of all, because absolutely. so Alan has a chance to correct that. That's nice of you to do that. And uh, yeah, I think sometimes I'll say something about the union and people like, and, and they say, you're talking bad about the teachers. I go, my dad worked for the OEA. So I'm not. I understand what they are. They're about power. And it's not the teachers that are in the classroom that I'm concerned about at all. They do a great job. I'm concerned about um, when people want power, when an organization wants power and is just dictating how other people get to do things. So you said you had a meeting or you had a phone call with someone today um, and they were telling you what they want to do, um, what, what one piece of hope is uh, with this. And that was tying it to when the governor stops. Um, explain that, Alan. Yeah. So some of the some of the fear about the so-called permanent rules um, could be alleviated and I think a lot of people would be uh, more comfortable with these rules if they were to simply provide that the rules would expire automatically upon expiration of the governor's emergency order okay so, you, so you guys when you go to the page and you're, you're making a comment. This is one thing to say. This is Alan's giving you a point here is to say, you know, to make sure these expire um, with how did you word that, Alan? Expires when the governor's order expires. So it doesn't continue on forever and ever and ever, which is an, another good question is when 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 will our governor stop extending this over and over and over again? Well, Unbelievable. I'm, I'm pretty sure that even though we have among the lowest infection rate in the nation, uh, we will not she will not be the first governor to uh, to end her emergency order. Actually, a report I saw said that we are we're, we're farther because what we've done, we are farther behind in herd immunity. And it's going to mean that more people need to be vaccinated before we reach that herd immunity thing. And I hope she's not waiting till we get all the way to herd immunity because we are way behind on that. 
how will this rule change impact Baker City's new resolution? Brian, um, I don't think it will. And I think Baker City's resolution is really um, what was it, symbolic, trying to get people on board to say, um, because the governor doesn't have to listen to it. And the Chamber of Commerce has done that. Springfield Chamber sent one. Um, she doesn't have to listen to it. I mean, even though we did elect her or Oregon elected her. When I, I'll, when I'll, when I die, I'll expire. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Jackie, there's always a comedian. So what's not anytime soon, Jackie. Hang in there with us. What are the other two points you were going to say that that they, people could make when they go in there to write this up? Well, we, we talked a little bit about uh, enlisting businesses to uh, to help with vaccinations and then the medical record requirement as a result of that. Um, they should ask that uh, they remove any references to vaccines in this order. Okay. Or in these proposed rules. So then, the, go ahead. No, go ahead. So that to, to back up. So the, so those are, that's point number two, you guys take all references to businesses and vaccines out of this, <clears throat> out of this rule. And then the first one was um, that when the, when the governor stops, extending her executive order, these rules expire. And then the third thing is, is there, there are some provisions in the rules for requiring businesses to keep records for 30 years. And we haven't really discussed that. What? Yep. So the business now has my vaccine medical record and they get to keep that for 30 years. Well, it's a different record keeping requirement. It's not the uh, vaccine medical records. Well, what is it then? So it's uh, records relating to uh, any notifications that that businesses give to employees that someone else in the workplace have has COVID. Okay, so, explain how that works. So give me an example. So if an employee, if someone who works for a business tests positive for COVID and um, it's it's well known and well established and even admitted by top public officials privately that the spread of COVID is not happening in the workplace. It's happening through social gatherings. But if an employee was at a social gathering, they tested positive. There are certain required notifications that businesses must give to employees about uh, possible exposure to COVID in the workplace. And it's those records they want to keep for 30 years. That wasn't in the original uh, temporary rules. It was something that unions wanted want to add. And so there's a 30-year rule in general when, uh, when there's been workplace exposures, like to a release of a dangerous substance in a workplace. Um, OSHA wants businesses to keep those records for 30 years so that the business and OSHA can work in the future to prevent, to prevent those sorts of releases. Well, everyone knows how COVID is transmitted these days. It's happening outside the workplaces. There's nothing different that the businesses could do. The, the reason for the 30-year notification rule no longer oh, does not apply in this instance and businesses shouldn't be saddled with that. Wow. 
You know what's scary to me about this, Alan? Well, a lot of things, but one of the things that's scary to me is like, what happened to my personal right to, to my information? I mean, I don't have to tell anybody anything. It's no one's business if I've had COVID, if I get COVID, if I have the vaccine or I don't have the vaccine, mind your own business. It's not your business. And so now I've got a state agency. Is that what they are? An agency that's going to have access or wants a permanent access to my stuff. That's like where, I mean, that's not how you live in Oregon. That's like living in communist China or California. <laughs> but I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. Access to my, I'm not, it's nobody's, I've had people come up and saying, are you getting the vaccine or are you not getting the vaccine? And I said, HIPAA. Good for you. Good for you. I just HIPAA. That's my answer. It's no one's business. Um, what I'm going to do and what I'm not going to do. Um, but, and that concerns me greatly because especially I'd love to hear from people who think that that's okay. Um, because that's really an interesting idea that, uh, because what's next is COVID just the first thing. And then pretty soon, um, I'm going to, I'm handing over my prostate cancer records. So you can find out what my prostate cancer is. And every year I go in for a medical checkup and now I have to send my PSA to you so that you can inform my insurance company of what's going on or whatever. I mean, it's none of your damn business by anything that has to do with my medical records. So I'm not going to tell anybody if I ever had or to get COVID. I'm not going to tell anybody. I've never tell anybody. Well, that's okay. Google will know. And, and so will Amazon. So, uh... <laughs> yeah. so Alan, is this like a done deal? Do you think, I mean, pretty much, pretty much. So the only yeah. way to really fight this is those three, what you're saying, the best way is those three points is just to go in and say, okay, if you're going to do this, which you are damned and determined, um, then, then the only way to really fight this is to at least get my medical records out of there. Um, anything about vaccinations is, is gone and make this thing expire when the governor stops adding on to her executive orders. Expire automatically, take away uh, all references to vaccines and remove the 30 year record requirement. Mike Clark says, do those businesses who keep such records have duties under HIPAA about how they ever release such info that they are keeping? Oh, that's a Mike. That is a great question. So they have requirements under the medical record requirements. And so that is that is where uh, where the requirements come from. Um, HIPAA. I, I believe there have been exemptions to HIPAA under uh, some of the, the COVID bills that have passed so that um, things dealing with the pandemic aren't covered by that. But it's been a long time since I've looked at the medical record requirements, mostly because right away came to the conclusion employers do not want to keep medical records, refuse to keep medical records. And um, and so I, I don't know exactly what those provisions are. I, I love Mike Clark and so glad that we have him on the uh, city council. Hate to disappoint you, Mike, but uh, I don't know the answer to but that. But Mike, that is a really good question to be asking. Um, do you know what Senate Bill 554 is? It, somebody says it passed today. Do you know what that is, Alan? 
I was going to ask you if you knew. Oh, you know what? If somebody, I want to run something really fast. I'm going to, um, our, our sponsor is Parker Heights Realty. And I want her to talk a little bit about, uh, she wants to talk to you about some properties she's looking for. It'll take about a minute. We'll be right back with more with Alan. So hang on. Hello. How are you? As some of you may know, we are experiencing a very competitive tight seller's market right now. There are a lot of people looking to build a new home or rehab an older existing home. Since they're not making any more land and we've ran out of space, I'm asking you to reach out to me or anyone in our office. If you or someone you know has a lot of any size with a condemned building, home, manufactured building, any outbuildings on it, that you or whoever think has no value. It could be a total wreck, um, but we have buyers that are looking for that sort of thing. So I wanted to inform you that property values are up tremendously right now, and it may be the time for you to finally dump that property and get it off your hands. Get your equity out of it and let someone else do the work and make it pretty again. Something that you might see as no value probably has a ton of value right now and is a value to somebody else who's willing to put in the work and the time to make it what their dream is. I talked to Amanda today too, and we were talking about, she said that she just looked on the available housing right now in Lane County, 277 properties only. And that's because we have not opened the urban growth boundary for more than 30 years. And we have, when you have no supply, you have high demand. So somebody's asking, what are the chances of legal action on these permanent requirements? So there was a coalition of business associations who were prepared to file suit um, under the original proposals, which were being advocated by the unions. They were um, they were were so excessive that that legal action was was likely. There still is an attorney. They still this group still has an attorney on retainer, and it is possible. But with the um, with the revisions as they are now, I, I doubt if there if uh, legal action will be filed. At least not by this group of business associations. So, Alan, just to show you, I have all I have to do is my wife says, do you know where such and such is? And I go online. I have so many people on here. I just ask a question and people know. So the, that Senate bill is the concealed uh, permit, gun permit in public buildings. Okay. So it's the bill regarding that. It's the gun bill. It authorizes entities that owns, occupies or controls public buildings to adopt ordinance rules or policies limiting or precluding affirmative defense of, for possession of firearms in public buildings by concealed handgun licenses. Uh, let the games begin. Um, um, something, something scrolled up there. Someone saying that you can't have exceptions to HIPAA. Actually, yeah. HIPAA was adopted by the United States Congress, and it was the United States Congress in their uh, COVID bills that exempted certain information from the applications of HIPAA. Uh, that, this was a uh, concern um, early on in the pandemic, and it was uh, actually an issue that I researched and uh, reported on um, to, to my clients about that. Um, and, and so, yeah, that's that's how the exceptions to HIPAA came about. So, and Councillor Eugene City Councillor Mike Clark is saying, "Yep, 
to my comment, because I get my information from him too sometimes, um, that you guys, if you ever want to know why we don't have enough housing and why the houses that you're buying are so expensive, it's because the urban growth boundary in Eugene, there's a, there's a rule in Oregon that they are supposed to come up with a plan for the next 20 years. And Eugene has not done that for 30. So we're behind 30 years, so we're never going to catch up. Um, with the urban growth boundary. So they keep trying to shovel the cracker box little houses or thinking everybody's going to live in an apartment complex. And it's because they're not going out and taking land. Um, you know, I, I, I always think this is funny. People go, well, we don't want to use farmland for that. Well, the wit was a farm. Oakway mall was a farm. Um, you know, Dirt yes, farm. we have farmland, but we have plenty of farmland that is preserved and you can't even do anything with it. But but you can't grow a town. You can't have families in affordable housing if you don't have land to build new houses on. And there's this attitude that people aren't going to live in houses. I don't know where they're going to live. I guess it tends in downtown Eugene. That's what it seems to be. Um, boy, don't we have fun on this show? We um, do. Sarah Evans, can you recap the highlights of this OSHA regulation? Alan, go for it. Well, maybe I'd call them lowlights. Um, they continue for an uncertain length of time. They should be limited to uh, the duration of the governor's emergency order, but they, uh, they don't. They uh, contain provisions about employees uh, riding together in vehicles. They don't want that. There are um, requirements on uh, hazard communication so that if you if you clean um, your workplace and there's obligations that you clean the workplace, well, they've uh, dovetailed into some other regulations about notification of chemical use, but they don't tell employers which chemicals are the ones that trigger, trigger this, uh, which cleaning supplies trigger this uh, requirement. Uh, there, there was some discussion, we didn't go into any detail about ventilation requirements um there uh, we talked about the 30-year requirement for exposure notification records we talked about um employers being um conscripted if you will to uh, uh to assist in the vaccination of their employees uh there's also some uh, some uh, paid time off notification requirements which are very duplicative of existing paid time off notification requirements and yet are just another trap or another hurdle that businesses need to overcome. How about that? That's really good. You should be a reporter someday. Um, and and you're, I know guys were tossing all around here, but this is how this show works. It's like whatever topic is coming up. And Mike Clark, the city councilor, says that the urban growth boundary we're talking about that hasn't been expanded for 30 years, it's worse than that, he says. The majority decided on purpose to add zero, zero land to the UBG, UGB, which is the urban growth boundary, when we last reviewed it in 2017, and we won't for the next three years at least. So we're already 30 years behind. Now we're another years behind. Now we're going to be three more years behind, and they still haven't added any land to that. Um, that's And I'm trying to get my realtor on uh, Parker Heights Realty. Mike, I might be calling you if you'd be willing to do that. I'm, I'm looking to do a show on that because we, t we what people need to understand on all of this is, yeah, we're, we're, it feels like we're losing control, but it's because we haven't paid attention for so long. And the powers that be know that. And they understand that 
if we if you say it enough, people start to believe it. Well, we have to start using our intuition and start asking more questions. We have to ask more questions. Yes, it pisses people off, but that's too bad. We have to say, how come houses cost so much? And don't go for the same old answers. And if something feels good or it feels like a, a happy answer, you better ask another question or follow the money. And there's always people behind this. And I'm not negative. I'm not being um conspiracy theorists. That's the new thing. If you ask questions, you, you're a conspiracy theorist. Bullshit. Follow the science, Rick. Follow the science. Well, yeah. How, yeah. You follow the science. And then what we do is instead of the people who are truly dying of COVID, 80 and above, one in five will die of COVID if they get it. What we do is we vaccinate teachers first. And we had 5,000 senior citizens waiting on a list to get vaccinated and 5,000 teachers got vaccinated before those senior citizens. Now, I'm not against teachers getting vaccinated at all, so don't even go there. But why, if we're following the science, why weren't those senior citizens given their vaccines first and the teachers second? And the CDC says that teachers don't need them. That it, it, I mean, it's good for everybody to have that, I guess, depending on how you believe but that the senior citizens were the ones where science said most likely to die. So how is that following the science? And it's okay to ask those questions. Yes, you get nasty emails. Yes, people don't like you, but you know what? It's none of my business what other people think of me. What matters is if we're talking about and trying to find the truth, which is why we had Alan on here today um, to give you some stuff. It's not to make you unhappy or upset, but, and you do, even though we know that they're, they have a goal and they're going to go for it, we can control some of that by being kind in our writing, by filling out the form. Don't go on there and say, hey, you bunch of OSHA assholes, you're stupid, that nobody's going to listen to that. You go on there and say three points, the three points Alan gave us, put those in. And if we can get that changed, at least we have a little bit of, a little bit of calm and perspective here. Um, big picture, we need to get rid of a super majority in Oregon. And I don't care if it's Democrats or Republicans. When you have a supermajority, this is what happens because nobody's telling the governor what to do. She's telling everybody else what to do. And we need legislators in there that can argue for us. That's who we elect to do this. And we have abdicated that responsibility for the last 20 years and allowed the supermajority to happen. And this is the cost of that. So, and I'm not anti, well, actually, I don't like Democratic parties or Republican parties or even the Independent Party. I'm a disaffiliated voter, but I don't care if you have a super majority, you don't need a super majority in Republicans either. They'd fuck it up just as bad. Oh, there they see, there the word came. Dang, I was trying to get through this. But, but so it's not about the party, it's about you have balance of power for a reason. And that's what we need to work towards in the future. Mike, I would love to get you on here and talk about the UB, UGB sometime. Um, Alan, thank you so much. Oh, absolutely. Uh, one, other, one other tip for your viewers, if you want. It, they can go to a website called OurJobsOurVoice.com. And this really is um, a grassroots um, uh, program to uh, allow people to send messages to the legislature on important issues that relate to issues of jobs and, and business and finance. Ourjobsourvoice.com and uh, sign up for that. And uh, when it is really important, when people's voice could make the biggest difference, uh, they, could, they can receive messages with invitations to send emails to the Capitol. 
It's only been activated uh, for a short period of time and only on a few issues, but we have been told that our jobs, our voice.com has, uh, has had an impact in the halls of the Capitol. Wow. Okay, you guys. So that is so good to know. Alan, when we get done on here, can you go in the comment section? We have people that are just tuning in and said they missed the three points. Can you just put them in the comment section? Because it'll go to everybody on all the pages. They'll see what those three, what your three suggestions are to, uh, to make. Yeah. Um, happy to do so. Okay. Happy to do so. So Lisa, he'll come on and Alan, when we get, when we shut this down, he'll come on there and put that on. Okay. Um, thank you, Lisa. Send, send comments. Thank you. Yes, please, everybody send comments because um, this is what's called getting things back, you know, and uh, you do have a voice and we should be able to use it. Alan, thanks again. I appreciate you. Um, Thank have you. A good well, that went long, but I knew it would because it's important information and important stuff. And you guys were really concerned about that. Um, I hope that brings some clarity to you. Um, you know, and here's the whole thing. You do not have to agree with me. I'm not the brightest crayon in the box, but you know what? I have a voice and I do my homework and I listen. And so we're here to make sure. So there, my parents, unfortunately, raised me. Um, they were both teachers and my dad worked for the OEA and he was a negotiator for the OEA. So everything was a negotiation. And my dad taught me and my mom taught me there's no such thing as a dumb question. So start asking questions. Ask why. Why is it like this? Why do we have a housing shortage? Really? What is really going on? And that's how we start getting answers and taking back the power that we're supposed to have as the people of Oregon. It's not it's not it, it doesn't say um, we the legislature doesn't say we the governor doesn't say we the president doesn't say we the Democrats or we the Republicans. It says we the people. That's us. And unfortunately, my friends, we've abdicated and been apathetic for so long. If we want to take it back, then we have to take it back. And that doesn't mean we get mean and we try to force it. It means we get involved and we start asking questions and we hold them to the fire. The media is not going to do it. They don't even know what the questions are. They're not going to do it. It's up to you and me and other people like that. And when people come against you and, and yell at you and bully you, it's because you're scaring them. I find that when you start to stir the shit, usually the people that disagree with you don't like the shit because it's theirs and they realize it stinks. And so you have to stir the shit. And that's what we're going to have to do. So do Alan's going to write in there what has to happen uh, that, or his three ideas uh, that you can do. And if you come up with one on your own, God, please, yeah, put it in there or write it on here for other people. But um, we don't want to be bitchers. Um, we have oh, God, Facebook will probably throw me off on that one. I used that word the other day and they, they told me I was harassing someone. I said, no, I'm bitching. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not calling someone that. I'm just doing this. So yeah, but stay involved, get involved, find out what you're going to do. And thank you for being part of this. And again, thank you, Parker Height Realty, because I can't do this without sponsors, you guys. And I had three people call today and say, we love what you're doing. We want to sponsor shows. Um, that helps a lot. And I got plenty of sponsors, but you know what? We can always use more. And the more we're involved, uh, the more this we can get out with this stuff. We did two shows today. God, we're just we're just kicking some butt around here. All right. Have a good day. Um, I'm going to be out for a bit. We're going to be doing a contest coming up. Uh, we still have our giveaway. Our our contest is going on right now to help restaurants and help uh, local business or people like you. Um, it's called March Madness. And uh, Richard over at Rogers Gardens gave us a thousand dollars to help restaurants. We gave five restaurants 
200 bucks. They're going to give two gift certificates for $100 each to someone you know that needs it. I'm looking for sob stories. I'm looking for good stories. And I'm going to pick at the end of the month on, on April 5th is when I'm going to announce it. We're going to have 10 people that are going to get $100 to five different restaurants so they can go bless the restaurant. And that person gets to go out and have a meal on Richard. So then next month, this coming month, we're going to be down in Yahats this weekend. And Dini's Oceanfront Lodge is giving away a spring fling getaway weekend, two nights at their lodge. And then um, Drift In kicked in a $50 gift card, and so did Ona, uh, Michelle over at Ona. So uh, that, we talked them into doing that. So we're going to have a nice package for that. And then another guy in town, a realtor, called me today and said, I want to give $1,000 for another contest. So we're going to do another 1000 with uh, restaurants and people like you. That's what we do. Um, just serving our town, right? <laughs> God, I love my job. <laughs> I sort of get paid to do this. It's crazy. Have a good day.